I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, a one-size-fits-all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. So good to have you with me on this episode of In the Red. Uh, You're here. I'm here. So let's get going. What am I going to talk about today? I have uh, an amazing opportunity to go speak somewhere next week. And I thought I would just bounce off of you what I'm going to be speaking about. So hopefully no one who is attending next week is preemptively listening to this. If so, they're just going to get it twice. And that just makes it twice as nice, maybe? I don't know. Um, but I really wanted to share this thought with you because it's kind of been bubbling in in my mind. And I think for the people who listen to this is a, an eclectic group. We have our Christians. We have some who have connected with me through um, business and things like that, some conferences I've been able to speak at. And I hope has been an invitation to a differing perspective. You don't have to agree with me theologically, but I hope that I've done enough to build a trust level with you that I see you, I understand you, and I want to do everything I can to help you. Now, some of that is giving you some scripture and an invitation, but the invitation is always up to you to accept it or not. I never want you walking away from this podcast feeling uh, as if there's any hate or vitriol coming from me to you because you don't look, act, or sound like me. Now, I can help you in some areas, but that's up to you. I think that's the power of conversation is we can set, we can talk, we don't have to agree. I'm not going to debate and argue with you, but I hope that I present you a different perspective, a challenging look from someone different than you, and then you walk away and chew on that, but the decision is up to you. And the one thing I want to talk to you about today is a three-letter word, and I reference this word a lot because I think we get lost, although This is a word we use quite often, but I really don't think we understand the depth of it or even understand our own. And that word is why. I know, right? If you have teenagers or kids, you hear this question a lot. But why? But why? Uh, We're going to go here. Why? I need you to do this. Why? Like there's always a response. I have borderline three teenagers. I have two teenagers and a third one in as of February, and I'll have a house full of teenagers. And Lord help me. It is amazing that we can't get and we can get anything done in that house because the moment I say we're going to do this, the first question is why? Instead of yes, sir, or how can I do my part, all of that, not understanding and trusting that dad's plan is probably the best. Doesn't mean I got it all figured out, but at least the general direction of where we're going is okay. And then we can talk on the way there. We can talk while doing the things. But I want to talk to you about our why, because I believe at the core of everything we do, if we don't understand our why, our why, I believe, is our driving factor. And I believe for the most part, your why is an internal factor. 
Now, this conference I'm speaking at, we're going to be talking about how to increase our physical, financial, mental, and spiritual abilities. How do we grow in those places? So the first three are very tangible, and you can put your hands on them. Well, mental, not so much, but you can, right? Physically, I need to get in the gym. I need to eat better. How to lose weight. We have physical, tangible evidence of getting stronger in that. The same way financially. I think all of us would like to have a little bit extra money in our bank account. So we have a tangible evidence. And even mental, like when there's clarity that just comes, when you begin to do some things in your life to help bring clarity, you can see the, the immediate response. You can beef up mentally, uh, whether that's instruction or wisdom, and, and grow in some areas in that place. But spiritual is the one that's kind of a gray area especially if you don't have a faith in something. So for me, spiritual is a lot more tangible because it's connected to my faith in Christianity. It's it's connected to my faith in God. And my belief is that um, there's a God who created me into a world that's messed up. It's got some things wrong with it. So in the middle of all of the things that are wrong with it, although I had great parents, I am filled with a life of decisions that are made to me, for me, or by me to determine what my path will be. Now, the one thing that I struggle with and is the ones that are made for us. The things that, not good things, not the things that our parents did to care for us and, and to cover us and to make sure we were good and to prepare us for future, but the bad things that happen to people. That's always going to be our struggle in this flesh, in this body, because it's hard to fathom the horrible ills of this world and why good or bad things happen to good people. Why uh, if you think the one of the most horrific things I believe is child abuse, especially sexual abuse, like that just blows my mind that there are people out there that are trapped in such a mindset that drives them to the place that that's where that's the place they get uh, comfort. That's the place they get pleasure. Like it, it drives me bananas. And in my faith, I'll tell you, as a pastor, I even struggle in that. And anybody that tells you they don't, God bless them. But I think we have to be real about some of these things. But into the core of our spiritual well-being, what's driven, what my driving force is, I realized along the way that although I'm in this world that has bad things happening in it, that I'm immersed in this world where you can watch anything you want. I could spend my life watching pornography and all these violent things on TV and immersed into that. Guess what? Whether you like it or not, it will have an effect on you. Now, it doesn't mean I'm just going to drive me to be uh, a serial killer. I don't think that's the the one extreme. We like, if you watch, if you play violent video games and watch all these violent movies, you're going to be a serial killer. That's not true necessarily. I think some are prone based on some other things in their life, a lack of love and value and relationships where there should have been in parental places. What it can also do to you is not drive you down the road of being a serial killer. It can also drive you to a place where you're just not. You don't find any sensory connection to that. So things like that just don't affect you. There's a lot of people that aren't over-sensualized to that. They've just become numb to that. And that's just as bad as the serial killer who's over-sensualized, finds pleasure or some sort of connection to this um, to supply whatever they're lacking. But getting back to the core of all of this is that the spiritual well-being that we have is a culmination of what we've experienced in life or a lack thereof. The decisions made for us, decisions made to us, 
or the decisions made by us that directly affect how we live this life. And when you invite God into that equation, now I believe that you have access to someone who knows you better than anyone. And if he created you, if we believe that we've been created with purpose, then that purpose, his desire, when he gets brought into the equation, is to get you back to that, to get you back to operating the way you were you were made to be. So he wants to help you let go of the things that have hurt you, let go of the things that have hindered you, let go of even the things that have been good for you, but won't let you go to your greatest potential because he made you with reason. So then the spiritual piece of that now, if we think about it, really is the driving force for all that we do. Because making money, making more money, being more physically fit, being the smartest person in the room has zero any, you don't get anything out of that if there's no why behind it. If you don't have a purpose in it, then you're just chasing these things blindly, doing it because somebody told you to, slipping into a skinnier size dress or pair of pants because somebody said they'll love you if you don't weigh so much. Like you really have to have a why to do these things. Otherwise, you don't have a desire to get results for some reason. You don't know when to change the plan because you're moving in a different direction than your initial was. So I want to talk about the power of our why. What is your why? Have you ever really stared in the mirror and asked yourself that question? What's my why? Now, we all have to realize this too, is our own whys, every one of us have a unique why or a unique lack of why. And this is what I want to talk to you about is the why is if you found your why, if you've got back to this place, then you understand the uniqueness of your why and your purpose. Also, the things that have been done to you leading up to this that may have distracted you or just completely destroyed your why is a unique path too. no one's looks identically the same. No matter, you could find two people who have maybe struggled through abuse. And although there may be semblances in their story, I can assure you the journey along the way is not the same. There is a uniqueness to it. Every situation is different. So you have to understand the uniqueness of your journey. And from the moment you took your first breath till now, you really have to stop and address the things that have occurred to you. The things that have occurred in your bubble that have affected you to get to this place. Because if you don't, you'll never tap into your why. It, it's impossible because those things, just as we talked earlier, those things that may have numbed over, there's a numbness there. So there's no response in that place. So now your why that could be need to be connected to something that was taken from you in that place, something that was numbed there is gone because you just don't have feelings connected to it anymore. You've lost that ability. So then the question gets to what is my why, the uniqueness of my why? How did I get here? How did I get right here? What happened to me? I'm 45 years old now, and I look back over my life, and I've had a lot of great things happen to me. I've had bad things happen too. I was raised in a home with parents who loved one another. I never doubted that. My parents were very uh, openly with their PDA. You know, I knew without a shadow of doubt when my when my mom come home and my dad come home, they were going to, they were going to exchange a kiss and a hug. Uh, there was constant, just that in our home. Like it was there. My, I knew my parents loved me. Uh, they would hug me and tell me that quite often. So there was never a doubt that there wasn't love in the home. Now being a pastor's son, there was moments that that love almost came off as conditional. I don't believe now looking back, it was, I think it was just 
uh, attached to the way our life was expressed. If you do these things, you're wrong. And if you're wrong, I love you enough to tell you that the response or the the result will be hell. Like that was what we were taught. That's how we were raised. Uh, there was beliefs in our in our um, relationship with God and our uh, theology that if you did this, you're not going to go to heaven. So it was never in that in that place though, because I was I was small and I had a uh, a younger mind. It's hard to process some of those things sometimes. And I look back and. Even today, I wonder how that may have affected me a little bit and how it could have been expressed uh, better. And that's not to say my parents did a bad job raising me. I love my parents and I'm thankful for the truth they instilled in me. However, one of the things that affected in that was I don't feel like there was ever an open line of communication about why. We come back to that word, right? Like the why behind the things we believe, the why behind some of the things that we are not supposed to do. Because guess what? Because there was no open conversation about the why, about what could occur if we did those things, it took me a lot longer than most. But when I hit 22, I really began to sow my wild oats and do these things that I'd been told not to do because I never understood the why. And through time, I understood the why. I understood why I shouldn't go out and have sex with people before I got married because the first year of my marriage was hell. Why? Because I brought all of those broken concepts into this relationship. There was a spirit of comparison there where you're constantly, whether you know it or not, comparing your spouse to that person. If you've been hurt by somebody, you build these barriers up that I will not let this person hurt me. And before you know it, your spouse begins to wear every piece of piece of clothing. They're, they're not even themselves. You don't see them for who they actually are. It's like they have this costume on that's just built out of people that hurt you, people you've experienced life with, and they'll never even get to be who they need to be for you because they've already become something else. It's the same thing with drinking and alcohol. I've used it. I, I used it and got in circles with people who abused it. And then um, all the things, why do I drink? I drink because everybody's doing it. But then you drink in moments where you're frustrated with work and you're frustrated in a relationship. And all of a sudden it becomes this band-aid for things. And you don't understand even the why behind anything anymore. You're, you become so reactive to the world around you that your why is lost. I, I, for those of you who are listening who may have been uh, abused through life, I can't even imagine, but I know without a shadow of a doubt, your why is affected by that. It affects how you respond to people. It even it even affects how you respond to yourself because through time you lose value. You look at yourself and say, that's all that I'll ever be. That person, and a lot of times in those situations, begin to tell you those things to make you feel like less of a person, to exert that control and authority over you, to make you feel worthless. So that gave you some amount of value. So that's, that's the broken piece. If you've never experienced abuse in that, talking with people and sharing through these things, these people were driven to a place where their only value is in the eyes of their abuser. That's why many bounce from man or woman or relationship time and time again and end up in the same place because their value is now assigned or tied to or connected to or controlled by history of abuse. How do I get here? See, there's a journey that a lot of times we didn't have any control of in our earlier years. And now as uh, an adult, sometimes we still don't have control of it because we're still operating off a broken model. We're still operating off broken decisions. 
I, I want to make this statement. You cannot overcome what you refuse to identify. You cannot overcome what you refuse to identify. See, the first step is identification. I've got to realize that if I'm ever going to find my why, my real why, then I have to let go of what's been done to me. And this is going to be hard. You have to forgive. Yeah, that's a harsh statement to say to somebody who's been abused, right? How can I forgive that person? They took my childhood away from me. Well, forgiveness is really this, just a release. Because that unforgiveness isn't affecting them. Many of those people are passed away, gone on, have no ability to affect you physically anymore. But they're still affecting you mentally. They're still affecting you spiritually. They're still affecting your why. Because that unforgiveness that you have in your heart prompts a response and a reaction to you, to those around you, and even to a person who may not be in this world anymore. So identifying it prompts a decision in your life. Will I allow this to affect everything I do beyond here? Or is it my turn to step out of this? Is it my turn to get away from that moment for the rest of my life? So where did I come from? How did I get here? The second question is, where am I going? See, this is the place, too, where we can get stuck is in the world of success, the world of business. We look around and we can miss what our actual why is because we begin to compare what we think success is with successful people. This person's got this much money. This person's doing these sort of things. And my life is miserable. I've never been anything. I don't want to be a uh, fast food restaurant worker the rest of my life. I want to do something different. I want to be that person. So now I'm going to change everything I do to pursue that person's success. So in this place, in this moment, your success isn't, isn't even yours. You're chasing somebody else's passion, somebody else's purpose, and it's always going to be limited. Because if you believe in that unique individual purpose, then although yours may be in the direction of somebody else, you may be, you know, it's kind of like Nike and Adidas. You may not be Nike, but you may have desire for a footwear, but Adidas is, is different. The direction is different. The design is different. And this is in all of our decisions in life. When you find your why, sometimes it is closely connected to somebody else's why, but it's not theirs. It, as we talked in the beginning of this, is uniquely yours. Where am I going? You cannot walk forward when you're always looking back. See, there's so many people who uh, think they're doing big things in their life. I recently heard a motivational speaker, and from the outside perspective, most people who would see them would say, oh, my gosh, this person is on top of the world. They're doing big things, have come through a lot in their life, and just uh, amazing. They're a fighter. But one of the statements they said very earlier in their their speech was how every day they open up this box and the weak, the weak version of them that existed when they were kids, they tell that person every day, you, I am not you anymore. You don't have any control. I close that box and I refuse to um, bow to weakness anymore and all that. Guess what? If you open that box up every day and that's how you start your day, you're still bowing to that weakness. You have to justify yourself to that smaller version of you every day. 
Like if that's where your focus is, is back. If I never want to be that. You cannot become what you need to be when you're doing everything you can to not become what you used to be. you got to find your direction. So in this place of how did I get here, releasing your past, this place of where am I going? And I'm not going to just chase what other people say. I really want to find me right here, right now. I want to release my past and I want to move into my purpose and my future. What if we all did that? How would that change the world around us? Suddenly, I'm not looking at you and what you're pursuing because I have a unique individual why. And then when I come in contact with you, if my why and your why somehow uh, correspond and connect, I'm not worried about you taking my why because I am convinced and my why is unique and individual. So then I'm like, how can I help you? Suddenly, the world around us begins to change. So here, I want to talk about these two things that I believe are the key to reestablishing your why, to getting you back to, to now, right here, right now. The first thing I want to talk is about letting go. Letting go, and I believe what letting go represents is forgiveness. What does forgiveness mean? If you attach forgiveness to the opposite, uh, Recently, we're, we're doing a study here at our church called the Bait of Satan, and it's all about offense. And somebody gave uh, the definition for offense as holding a grudge. So then I challenge, well, if holding something, holding a grudge is an offense, then what would forgiveness be? Then it would have to be the opposite, which means letting go. Because these things we hold on to limit where we can go. Have you ever tried to go through uh, a small door? I was in the Navy for 21 years. There's a lot of small doors, little doors to Narnia, if you will, on these ships, especially on aircraft carriers. You'd think everything would big, right, on these big ships, but there are some small hatches and doors that you got to climb through sometime. And if you ever tried to go through something like that, a small hatch with something big, it requires a lot of manipulation and movement to get through these things. And there's just some things that won't fit. At different times of uh, mission and operation, we would have to close some hatches, bigger hatches, uh, because of damage control um, settings and things like that to make sure, you know, if something happened on a lower deck that flooding occurred, it wouldn't flood the whole ship. You could just close a little hatch instead of trying to get this big hatch down. So access would be limited to this little hatch that's attached to a bigger hatch. And there would be moments where we were important. That big hatch would be open. You could move things in and out. And then you would get out to sea and you have to close one of those. And now you just have this little hatch and something's stuck down there because you can't open it. You're not allowed to open it at that point. So it's just got to stay there until later. It's kind of like that in our life that there's sometimes that some of these little hatches, these little places we have to get through to get to where we're supposed to be going, we're carrying all this big stuff that we realistically don't even need to take with us. So the first step is identifying the things that you're holding on to. What, what are these things? Maybe it is good things. There are a lot of good things like love from your parents. If, if you had parents who loved you, hanging on to that. Why? Because that is a defining moment in your life. It's also a defining invitation to how I'm going to treat my kids. But then also, even in that place of holding on to this love, how is it given to me? Even love can be given harsh because parents just didn't know how to give it. Maybe they were given a broken model of parenting. Parenting's that one place 
where you're constantly taking stuff with you, but you're also needing to leave some things behind or at least change and shift how it's done. You are going to grow and change compared to your kids are going to be drastically different because although they act like you at times, they're not identical. They're not exactly like you. So releasing some of those hurts, pains, we've already kind of talked about this from the perspective of forgiveness, but letting go of those things, letting go of that hurt. This, this challenges everything we've been taught by the world around us because we build up these defensive mechanisms. I will never be hurt there again. So then it begins to affect uh, how you do things, where you go, what you do. I, I find people who are isolated will not even go out to places because I refuse to let this happen to me again. There's a difference between having wisdom about how you go out and just not going out. Like wisdom is a learned method, something to that I'll never be put in that place where this can happen again. Identifying things in people that you don't end up in that same type of relationship again. Seeing the trends. If you were um, physically abused by a, a, a somebody, a, a somebody in a relationship with you, a spouse or a boyfriend, or uh, then identifying the traits that they have. And when you get in a new relationship and you begin to see that again, understanding I got to go because I'm not going to allow this, this trend, this habit, this cycle continue to happen to me. I'm going to be the difference maker and identifying that person and letting them know this is not a relationship that I want to be in. Because if you identify that early on, not after you're living with them, married, all these things and you have investment uh, into the relationship and all this, stuff, that's when it gets even worse. It's hard to leave. You have kids. But I guarantee those of you that have been abused and end up in another abusive relationship after abusive relationship, most times you identified it in those people very early on and just refused to see it in hopes for the best. But it, it makes a decision in you to say, I'm going to forgive that person, but I'm also going to be wiser in my choices and relationships from here on out. I'm not going to hold the next person accountable for that, but it's definitely going to open up a communication stream very early on about expectations and where I've been wounded and injured, and I won't be that again. See, that forgiveness prepares you to have wisdom moving forward, not rejection, not resentment, but wisdom. Wisdom is learned behavior, knowledge that you've taken and, and be able to walk into. The next step. Once you identify it, determining if it's good or if it's bad for you. If it removes value from you, it's not good. You are a valuable person. If we, if what we said in the very beginning is you have a unique journey, a unique purpose, then your value is different than anybody else's. So anything that removes you, value from you, you need to stop and take notice of. Anything that says this is who you are, anything that's been done to you, for you, at you, that's pushed you in a place where this is who you are, you need to really evaluate that. You need to determine if, is this a response to something or is this actually, who was I changed along the way? Was I this? Was I a good person? Was I a morally good person? Was I, um, what's the word I'm even looking for? We could use the word naive, but I think all of us in our immaturity, there was a, a just a peaceful, inquisitive spirit about us. Did that change? Was I 
uh, at some point hardened in my heart? Did I lose my ability uh, to really show love and grace to people? Did I was I did I become an angry person? Did it affect my attitude? Did it affect who I love? Did it affect my day to day? What are these responses that we have to let go of? Because it's in those moments you realize that they take away from your value. You realize these moments that I have to let that go. And if this person that's at that moment's assigned to is the place where it always stuck and I'm bitter and angry at them, then I have a hold on to them. They don't have a hold on to me. I'm keeping that almost, if you think about it, I'm keeping that picture in my wallet that every time I open up my wallet, before I look at the picture of my wife, I'm going to look at that picture of my ex-girlfriend. Because I want to make sure my wife never does that to me. When I look at my, before I look at that picture of my kids, I'm going to look at that picture of my dad because I remember what he did to me and I don't want to ever do that to my kids. But then it affects a whole lot of things. That person carries a lot of weight of a relationship that they had no part in. So letting go of those things, identify it. Weigh the cost if it takes value away from you. If it's put you down a path that's not really who you were before it happened, say, how can I let it go? If it's a person, I forgive them. I let it go. I'm not going to let that person affect me anymore. But then also in that place, finding wisdom about how to overcome it in your own life. If you need help, that's a place where you find help a pastor, a friend, a therapist, someone that has uh, wisdom in these areas to help you overcome with them, overcome them. Most people don't seek help because they don't want to let go of it deep down. So letting go, taking these intentional steps to forgiveness, to walking away from something that's been, that's hurt you. Even Being thankful, or excuse me, even forgiving yourself from believing something less about you. That can happen too. One of the hardest people to forgive is ourselves. So forgiveness, the letting go of our past. The next step, I think, is is a piece of transition from our past, but also into our future. What limits us from walking to our future? I want to talk about gratitude for a minute. Because a lot of times we don't walk into our future because we don't even know what we're thankful for. Or we don't feel like there's anything worth being thankful for. Think about this. What if every day when you woke up, you merely started your day with this statement? I'm thankful that I have a breath in my lungs and a beat in my chest. That's a prayer that I've mentioned on here that my wife says quite often. But it is really starting every day with that thought process to say, what am I going to do with today? Because I'm thankful that I'm even here in it. Like it's not, oh, I can't believe that happened yesterday. Or it's not picking up social media on your phone and scanning through and seeing what somebody said about so-and-so, about all these other things. Like it really, the foundation of your day is I'm here. What am I going to do with it? 
See, that's the easiest step to gratitude is being thankful for the thing that you had no control over. You have this breath in your chest and this beat in the lungs. I believe that there's this creator that created you, and that's something I don't have any control of. Now, I could go eat a thousand cheeseburger, which is going to limit the amount of those days I have. But the fact that I woke up, it's time to go. So gratitude for the things that we can't control. What if every day before you went to bed, instead of sitting there and being upset about what happened, who cut you off in this line, who did this to you, you're, you begin to think about the things you are thankful for. Have you ever thought about the time that you were so frustrated you got stuck in traffic? And then when you get to somewhere, you if you really stop to think of everything happened at the right time. I, I, there's been moments where I get stuck in traffic and then you get up, you get to where you're supposed to be and you bump into somebody you hadn't seen for years. Have you ever had that happen to you? You never stop to say, wow, if I wouldn't have been stuck on that traffic, wouldn't delay my day, I wouldn't have got here and I would have missed that person. You ever, those are the things we don't stop and take gratitude over as well. That sometimes life is filled with stops to get us to a place we're supposed to be. So what if you, at the end of the day, begin to really focus in on what do I have to be thankful for today? Like, I'm not going to think about the negative things. I'm only going to focus on the good things because just like we talked about, earlier, what am I going to take with me to tomorrow? What is my why? What is the things I'm holding on to? If I hold on to all the things that have been done to me today, guess what? I wake up tomorrow, the next morning. And I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm making sure none of those things happen to me again. I just now my my whole day has started on a negative tone because of the things I took to bed with me, the things I refuse to let go of. So gratitude not only positions your day with the things you don't have control of. Gratitude allows you to release a day with the heart of the things that you did have control of. You know what? Somebody did this today, but I'm, I'm thankful for my response. I'm thankful that I'm, I learned today that I'm better uh, than I was yesterday. I'm thankful that I have this wife sitting next to me. I may not, I may not always agree with her, but I'm thankful that she's in my life. I'm thankful I don't have to go to bed by myself. I'm thankful that I have a house to sleep in. Well, I live in a house and I only have air conditioner. I'm thankful I have a house. And if that's something that I desire in my life, then what am I doing to get there? Well, I'm watching Facebook and I'm seeing all these people that have money and I'm disgruntled because I don't have money. Yeah, that's not gratitude. That's you sitting back saying, I wish I had all of that and not taking any steps to get there. See, being thankful for what you have doesn't limit you to that place. It's really an assessment moment to say, I'm thankful for where I'm at, but this is not where I want to be. I'm thankful that I'm here today standing because everything that was done to me and hurt and shame, I shouldn't even be here. All the things that were taken from me, I shouldn't even be here. See, gratitude begins to position your heart to say, regardless of what happened to me in my past, I'm still standing. And if I'm still standing, then I have steps to take. It really positions everything. So then when you circle back around to that first question, what's my why? You realize 
I may have never known my why before. I've just become a reactive person. Reactive to a past I want to get away from. Reactive to a future I wish I had. Instead of being thankful for every moment that I walk into. Knowing that it's an invitation to walk into who I'm supposed to be. My challenge to you today is this. Take an assessment. How did I get here? What's holding me back? Take an assessment. What am I chasing? What am I pursuing? And why? Is it because somebody told me that's who I'm supposed to be? Is it because somebody told me that's who I have to be? Is it because somebody's got something that I don't? Stop chasing everyone else. Stop running from the brokenness and the hurt and the shame of your past. Get up tomorrow morning, take that breath, breathe it out, and say, what am I going to do today to walk into my unique future? God bless you. I hope this has helped. I hope somebody out there is now rethinking some of their decisions they've been making, looking over all the things that have occurred in their life and say, I've been uniquely positioned to make a difference. God bless you. I'll talk to you next time.